We are continuing with our sermon series, message series on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we've been in this several weeks. We've got a few weeks left. We're, today we're Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. And um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I would go to spend, I had two sets of grandparents, and uh, my, my dad's family was from Camden, my mom was from Newberry. And uh, I would go to stay with different ones of them during the summer, like like it's fun to do at, at uh, when you're a kid, get to stay with your grandparents, and that's always awesome. And I would go to Newberry, and I'd stay with my Mima and Poppy for about a week at a time. I, I'm not sure if it was always a week, but I'd stay there for a while and pretty much get to do whatever it was that I wanted to do, which was great. And Mima would make me biscuits every morning and whatever it was that I wanted and homemade lemonade and all that kind of good stuff. Well, one year that I went, Poppy was always, he, he was very extremely smart uh, guy. And, um, and he had always, he had, didn't finish, didn't go past fifth grade. And there's a hilarious story I'll tell you one day about his last day of school in fifth grade and, and uh, that kind of thing. But, but he was very, very smart. And uh, he would always read things and all, and he got the idea one year that he thought I would like to do a treasure hunt, and of course I did. I was probably about nine years old, and I thought this was the most awesome thing. So he made a map, and it was this elaborate map that had all this stuff on it, and it literally had an X marks the spot on the map, and you go dig in the yard, and he had buried treasure in his yard, and it was this box you open up, and it was full of money, which was awesome. But the, the fact that it was full of money, it was like silver dollars and 50 cent pieces and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't as important as just the fact that I was getting to look for treasure. That was the fun part, was searching for it. And, and the rest of our lives, and, and what I didn't realize then is that really for the rest of my life after that point, and especially as I got older, I was going to constantly be searching for treasure. And that's kind of the way we live our lives. We're constantly looking for treasure. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about treasure. And now, when he talks about treasure, he's not talking about Spanish galleons that are found, you know, in a ship buried off the coast of Charleston somewhere, or, or he's not talking about treasure like Indiana Jones would find, but he's talking about the treasure that we deal with every day. He's talking about money, and not just money, but the things that you can buy with money. And, and one of the things that I love to teach about, and, and I'm not afraid to preach about it, is, is I like to talk about money. And here's why I like to talk about it. Two reasons. One is there's tons of stuff written in the Scripture about money. Jesus had a whole lot to say about it, so there's plenty for us to talk about. The other thing is it's something that all of us can relate to. We all can relate to when we talk about money. Because there, there's a tension that all of us live with. All of us that are alive on planet Earth, especially if you're an adult, uh, that we live with a certain tension in our lives. And that tension is between two realities. The first reality is this, is that we need money to survive. We need money to survive. There's no other way around it. Um, If you're an adult who no longer lives with your parents and pays your own bills. And by the way, if you are an adult that lives with your parents, we got another whole conversation we need to have. But if you're an adult that no longer lives with your parents, and you pay your own bills, well, it's like what you're supposed to do as a responsible adult, um, you know that you need money to survive. It takes you about 30 days to figure that out. Because maybe you could live for about 30 days thinking you don't need money to survive, and then when those bills start coming in, you realize... Doggone, somebody has got to pay this. I guess daddy paid the electricity bill my whole life. I've got to do that now myself. We need money to survive. There's no other way around it. All the things that we need, food, clothing, shelter, 
Those things cost money. And maybe you're a person that thinks you can live off the land. No, you can't, because if you could, you would be doing that. We all need some money. Even if you're going to go live off the land, you've got to buy a bunch of equipment to be able to get that going. We need money to survive. That's the first reality. The second reality is this, and that is we have a great potential to become obsessed with money. All of us, as human beings, we have a great potential to become obsessed with money. And that's the tension that we live with for the rest of our lives, is that there is this thing that we need to survive. And then that very thing that we need to survive can overtake our lives, can become the one thing that we focus on. It can become the thing that our whole life revolves around if we're not careful. We need money to survive, but we have a great potential to become obsessed with money. That's not a new problem. That's not something that just started since the year 2000. When Jesus was teaching this way back a couple of thousand years ago in a different part of the world to a different culture to people that spoke a different language, guess what? They lived with the tension that they needed money to survive and that they had a great potential to become obsessed with money. And so Jesus talked about money a lot. And in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, he addresses money. He addresses treasures. So let's look at, uh, start with verse 19. I'm going to read a couple of verses, then talk, and we'll read a couple more. But uh, for, starting with Matthew 6, 19, <clears throat> this is what Jesus says about treasures and money. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, he already addresses that fact that we have a potential to get obsessed with money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, it's very easy for us. But he also talks about a, a, a second tension that, that is in there. One of the reasons why we live with this tension is because it's even a greater tension than just what we think about. It's a tension between what's temporary versus what's eternal. It's a tension between the temporary versus the eternal. And he says in verse 19 something that we absolutely know to be true, even if we didn't read it in this scripture. We know this to be true just based on what we see going on around us, and that is this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where things, thieves break in and steal. One of the things that we know to be true is stuff does not last. And um, I was thinking about this yesterday and last weekend and the weekend before that, I've been painting my porch uh, on the front of my house. Now, this was something I wanted to get done this summer, but you remember it rained literally every day this summer, and so painting a porch didn't work out. So I've been trying to get it painted now. Now, here's the deal about painting this porch. I don't mind painting the porch. I really don't mind painting. I know a lot of people hate painting. I kind of enjoy it. It's therapeutic, as Barney Fife would say, for me to paint. And, um, and so, when, but when I was thinking about this yesterday, as I was out there painting my porch, is that we, we built this house, and I, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't out there with a hammer and nails, but we, it got built, and we were the first people to live in it since we, in 1997. 
And when we moved into that house in 1997, we had been living in an old house that was built way back, you know, several years before that and had lots of problems and had things like the, the heat would go out in the middle of the night and I'd have to go out under the house and flip a switch to restart it. I mean, just all kind of crazy stuff. So we built this house and moved in. It's all brand new, brand new furnace, brand new porch, brand new roof, brand new gutters, brand new everything. And I remember moving in thinking, and I won't have to do anything anymore. I'll just go in and just live, watch TV, eat, play with my kids, and be with my wife, and I don't have to worry about this house, just pay the bill every month. Well, you know if you own a house that that's not true. And I was out there yesterday painting that porch and realizing that that's the third time since 1997 that that porch has needed paint. And the last time I painted it was about five years ago, and I bought the paint that says it's supposed to last 20 years. They lie. They are liars. And so I'm out there yesterday putting a second coat on everything, or putting a third coat on some of the places that get in the sun the most to try to fight it off, and realizing that what Jesus says in that scripture we know to be true. Things don't last. Cars rust. Shingles come off of your roof. Food goes bad. Clothes get holes in them and go out of style. Smartphones are obsolete three days after you buy them. It's just, that's the way it is. Things do not last in this world. And so Jesus says to us, if we continue to, to make our whole focus and we get obsessed with money, and what we do is we try to just store up all our treasure in stuff on this earth, what we're going to find out is we're going to be disappointed because those things are not going to last forever. He calls those things earthly treasures. And then he makes a contrast. Look in verse 20. The contrast to earthly treasures that don't last very long at all are heavenly treasures. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. There are things that, that we can, while we're on this earth, we can invest in that are different than cars, that are different than houses, that are different than smartphones. We can invest our money in those things. We can invest our time in those things. We can invest our, our energy into those things. And those things will last forever. See, those things are anything that involves people. Because people last forever. See, when, if, if, you're a, if you're a believer in Jesus, when you leave this earth, you're going to go on and you're going to live in heaven forever. If you don't believe in Jesus and, and you are on this earth, i got good news for you. You're going to live forever too. i got the bad news for you though. It's going to be in a place called hell, not heaven. And it's going to be real, real bad down there. And it's going to be terrible. And it's going to be uh, just uh, pain and suffering for the rest of eternity for you. And so Jesus says to us there that if we will invest in things that are heavenly, that those things last forever. That's why we here at this church, when you give us your money, which we believe that you are investing in heavenly things, when you give money here, then we take a portion of that and we give it to people who are serving as missionaries in other parts of the world so that they can tell the gospel of Jesus to people in countries you'll never go to. We give it to brand new churches that are just now starting, that are like us. They're meeting in schools and, and other places like that, and they need money every month. We invest in that. We invest in an orphanage in Haiti to try to help children who don't have parents who lost their families in an earthquake, and we want to invest in that. We invest in, in a, a ministry called Water of Life, which goes into villages and countries and puts in wells so that people can have clean water so that they won't die of dysentery and other diseases that they get from water. And so 
what, one of the things that we believe is, is that there are things that we can invest in money-wise on this earth that will last forever, that are the things that Jesus talked about that are heavenly things that will last. We also think that, that one of the things that we believe that Scripture teaches is that when you invest in the life of another person, when you help someone, when you are a friend to someone, when you are an encourager to someone, when there's someone who, who needs something like maybe free babysitter because they're a single mom or a single dad and they've got something going on and you keep that child for them, that is investing in heavenly things. That's investing in a person. That's one of the reasons when we do life groups, we believe that life groups is a heavenly investment because you're spending time reading the Word together. You're spending time getting to know each other. You're spending time encouraging and praying for one another. These are all heavenly investments that Jesus says will last. Thieves can't steal them. Rust can't take them out. Moths can't eat them up. Those things last. But here's the, the struggle for us, like I said at the beginning, is that we need money to survive. And so our struggle is, is that because we need money to survive, is that we tend to spend the large majority of our money and the large majority of our energy towards things that don't last very long. The large majority of our money goes to our houses, our cars, and other things like that that are not going to last, that we can't take with us. The large majority of our energy that we work for, that we spend time on the weekends doing, is for things that will not last. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One of those reasons is because we do need those things to survive. But I think the other reason is, too, is that, that all we have to tell us, hey, there are things you can invest in that last forever, all we have that we can count on to that is just the words of Jesus. And you might say, Cliff, the words of Jesus are good enough for me. Yeah, they're good enough for me, too. But sometimes we like to see results, don't we? And you can't always see the results when you invest in the life of a person. In fact, sometimes you invest in the life of a person and it seems like there's no results. It seems like it's making no difference. And so we get discouraged. And so sometimes it's easier for us just to spend all of our money and all of our energy buying stuff. And we can buy the next thing and that will make us happy as to what we think. And because, because we, we, all we have is the promise of Jesus to try to help us remember that investing in heavenly things is better than investing in earthly things. And so it's very easy for us to get our priorities out of whack. One of the reasons why is based on what we see. And Jesus talked about this. Look at verses 22 and 23. He said this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, a lot of times when we get obsessed with money, it starts with our eyeballs, doesn't it? It starts with something you see. Oftentimes, if you're like me, it starts with something you see that somebody else already has, and you think, i got to get me one of those. I, maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe you're like that too. Just the other day, um, I was talking with Ashley Teams, who is our Freedom Kids pastor, who does an awesome job, and guess what she's got? She's got one of the brand new iPhones. Well, I've got an old-timey iPhone 4S. It's like four generations ago. And it's fat and thick and really small screen. And I looked at hers, and hers is really thin and light, and it's got a bigger screen, and it can do stuff, and it's got colors on the back of it. And I looked at that, and I thought, man, I, and immediately I asked her, I said, how much, how much does that cost you? 
And she tells me, and I start calculating in my mind, let's see, if I save a little bit this month, and then maybe, you know, if next month when we're making the budget, if I talk Sherry into uh, getting a little bit more money for myself and less money for a bill, you know, I, I start working that out in my mind. How can I? Because I saw it. And immediately it caught my eye, and I thought, I need that thing because I'm a pastor. I need the up-to-date, most awesome iPhone ever so that I can call people and text them and see how they're doing or whatever. And I was just making up all this stuff because of something that I saw. See, one of the things that, that we believe is that, that we believe that, that money will make our lives better. But, but the fact is this, being obsessed with money and things leads to discontent. Let me say that again. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Being obsessed with money and things leads to discontent. Now, let me say one other thing here before, because I don't, I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. Money is not evil. Money is not evil. Let's just get that straight right off the top. Remember, you need it to survive. It's not evil. If there is a pile of money sitting somewhere, then, and I know what you're thinking right now, then I want to know where that is. That's what you're thinking, right? But if there's a pile of money sitting somewhere and it's unnoticed and not being used by anybody, it has no moral value. It's neither good nor evil. It's just money. It, 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 a money, an inanimate object cannot be good or evil. When money becomes a problem, when money becomes evil, is, is when, when Satan, who is very real, when the devil, who is very real, what he does is he uses our need for money. Remember, we need money to survive. He uses our need for money to deceive us. And he does it by lying. Did you know that Jesus, in John eight forty four, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. He said that when he lies, he speaks his native language because he is the father of lies. And one of the ways that the devil lies to us is he tells us that if we had more money, if we had more things, that's all we need to be happy. That's all we need to be content. Um, and, and we believe that if, if I only had more, then, then, then I would be happy. And, and it's the exact opposite of what is the truth, which is being obsessed with money and things leads to discontent. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have actually, um, before, not today, but I'll probably do it again. I'll probably slip up. I've actually sat down and thought through my mind, I've never put it on paper, how much money I need to be happy. Have you any, has anybody else ever done that? You've put a dollar figure to it? I've sat down and I thought about, okay, all right, it costs this much to get the house paid off, and then if I want to build in maintenance for the next, you know, however many years I think I'm going to live on that house, build that in. Okay, how many cars do I think I'm going to need till I die? And what do I need to pay for? i uh, still got one child with braces on. I've got to get that paid off. I've got to get uh, other kids through college. Oh my gosh, I've got two girls. They're both going to get married. That means I've got to pay for the wedding. You know, so you start figuring up all this stuff, and, and or how much money am I going to need for clothes, and th those things. I started, I've tried to figure it out and put a dollar figure figure to it. And, and that is just, when I do that, that's just getting my focus all in the wrong place. Or how about this? Have you ever done this? Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody, and he, he or she is anonymous, did not have to come forward, won the Powerball lottery in Lexington, South Carolina. Anybody remember hearing about that? 400 million, or no, 40 million? Was it 40 million? It was a bunch of money. I think it was $40 million. $40 million. Now, if you heard that story and immediately started thinking about what you would do with $40 million, I want you to raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. If you heard that, raise it up high now. Come on. I'm, I'm raising two hands because I thought about it a lot. All right? And that's what we do. 
Immediately, I started thinking, $40 million, man, I could do so much with that money. And, and, and it wasn't all bad stuff. Some, a lot of it was giving it away. But a lot of it was like buying me new trucks and stuff like that, too. And so we, get, we have this idea, we believe this lie, that if we just had more money, then that's all we need to be content. If we just had more money, that's all we need to be happy. Well, there was a, um, a modern-day philosopher who has left us now who spoke about this, and I'm gonna, I've got a picture up here of him. Let's see if some of y'all recognize who this guy is. That is uh, Notorious B.I.G. I don't know some of y'all, like, how many of you went to high school like in the year 2000? I know you know who Notorious, or Biggie, maybe you call him Biggie or Biggie Smalls or whatever. And, but anyway, Notorious B.I.G. Notorious B.I.G., he knew that this was a lie because he had a song that he ca- came out with called Mo Money, Mo Problems. He understood the truth. He knew that having more money doesn't make us happy. That in fact, a lot of times, having more money leads to all kinds of worries that we wouldn't have had before because now we've got this stuff and now I've got to figure out how to keep it. And I've got to figure out how to make more of it. And now I've got this thing and, and it needs maintenance and it needs upkeep. And that's a whole other uh, pile of stuff that I've got to deal with. And so we believe that money will bring us happiness, but the truth is being obsessed with money and things will only lead to discontent. And the main reason that happens is a spiritual reason. The spiritual truth is that when we become obsessed with money and things, when we set our hearts on things that we can gather up and collect and put in bank accounts, then we have a great potential to divide our heart between that and Jesus. Because the truth is is that Jesus... When he calls us to follow him, he calls us to leave everything else behind. And when we are obsessed with, I've got to get the next car, the next phone, the bigger house, the upgrade to this, the upgrade to that, the newest clothes, the newest shoes, whatever it is, when we become obsessed with that, then our passion and our focus is divided and it cannot be divided. Because now we're focusing on what we want and what we think we can buy instead of focusing on Jesus and what he wants for our life. See, Jesus ta- told this story. It's in, uh, I think it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I know that it's in Luke. And uh, he told this story. Of, uh, he, Jesus told these stories that they called parables, and they were stories that had a meaning behind them. And he told this one parable about a guy who goes out planting seeds. And he's just out there throwing seeds all over the place and hoping some of them will take root. And Jesus talks about how the seeds fell on different types of soil. Some of it fell on good soil and it sprung up. Some of it fell like on a roadway that was very hard. Some of it fell among the rocks and the thorns and those kinds of things. And then he explains the story to his disciples. And listen to what he says in Luke 8.14 about certain seed and what happened to the seed. It says this, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. See, Jesus talked about it. He said that the work that God is trying to do in your life, if you begin to be obsessed with money, it can choke out the very work that God wants to do. The seed that's being planted in your life, the seed of truth that when you read Scripture, that when you hear someone give a message, that when you listen to a podcast or talk to a friend and they're encouraging you to do what Jesus wants you to do in your life, that those seeds that are being planted in your heart, that if you are then obsessed with collecting things and buying stuff, that that can overwhelm the good seed that's planted in your heart and can choke it out. 
it can choke it out, the thing that God wants to do in you. See, there's a, there was a, um, a pastor and a theologian that lived back during World War II named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and, and he said something that I like. He said this, earthly goods are given to be used, not collected. Earthly goods are given to be used, not collected. See, all the stuff that we have um, came from God anyway. Chris just said that a while ago. It's all God's. And we can use any and all of it for His good. Or we can begin to be obsessed with collecting it and our passion will be divided and then it becomes not good. It becomes something that leads us away from Him. But it's all God's. Um, and and I, just, I gave you a quote from, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I want to give you a quote from a modern-day theologian, modern-day pastor, and it says this. This is from Donnie Kaufman. We don't own jack squat. Donnie said that last Sunday when he was, Donnie was introing the offering last Sunday and he said, basically, we don't own Jack Squat. And I thought, I'm going to quote him on next Sunday in the message. Now listen, you can go to church anywhere. There's lots of churches in the upstate, but you don't get that anywhere but here. All right. That's real talk on a level that all y'all can understand. We don't own Jack Squat. We don't. God owns it all. And that house that you've got, that car that you've got, that new boat that you just bought, that new shotgun that Donnie wants, that, that new set of golf clubs, that new dress, whatever it is that you want. If you've got it, it's God's. He owns it all. You bought it at Walmart, but guess what? God owns Walmart too. They just don't know it. God owns it all. And for us, what we have to begin to understand and the way we have to live our lives is we have to remember that we're not owners, we're managers. We don't own the business. God owns it. We're only managing it. And that one day, and, and Jesus told a bunch of stories about this too, one day He's going to show back up or we're going to die and go see Him first. And guess what we've got to do? We've got to make an account for how we managed His stuff. We've got to answer to that. Whether we got obsessed with collecting our own little pile of stuff or whether we were rich in earthly goods and we were investing in things that will last forever. See, but the problem is because of the fact that we need money to survive and that we're very easily obsessed with money, what happens to us is we begin to live as owners instead of managers. And we're not the owners. We begin to think that it's all up to us that we can make all our decisions. But what's right, the best way to, to look at money is to understand, okay, I've got all this, and it's all His, and I need to use it for Him. God gave me this house, how can I use it for Him? God gave me this car, how can I use it for Him? God gave me this boat, how can I use it for Him? God gave me these clothes, how can I use that for Him? God gave me this food, gave me this bank account, God gave me the ability to... to trade on the stock market and make a bunch of money, and I believe that there are people out there that God has given that ability, how can they use then the, what they make for the good of God and for the kingdom of God so that He will be glorified? Because it's all His to begin with. Jesus finishes out this, this passage we're going to talk to today with a very blunt statement in Matthew 6.24, and He says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Our obsessions with things and with money can divide our heart. And if we are divided, we cannot follow Jesus like we're supposed to. That's what he says. That either we will hate the one and love the other, or despise the one and be devoted to the other. So for us, it's either am I going to be obsessed with money and things and getting the next one, or am I going to be obsessed with following Jesus and doing what it is he has for me? And that word money there, I don't know how many of you, how many of you grew up in a church where you only read the King James Version of the Bible? I grew up in a church like that. And uh, there's a funny sounding word at the end of that verse in the King James. It says, you cannot serve both God and mammon, which that's, I'm sure all of y'all used that word in your conversations last week, right? No, none of you did. But you know what that word mammon means? It's a great translation for what Jesus is saying in this verse. What mammon means, it doesn't mean just money. It means all of your possessions. It means all of your possessions, everything that you've got. And Jesus said, you cannot serve both of those. You can't serve your house and Jesus. You can't serve your bank account and Jesus. You can't serve your boss and Jesus. That you can only serve Jesus and do what he wants you to do. There's a verse in, in 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that one day Jesus is going to come back and so we should live a certain way. And when he talks about money, he talks about this in verse 731. He says, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. See, we have a very big tendency to get engrossed in the things that we have, in the things of this world. And Paul says we're supposed to use the money we've got, we're supposed to use the possessions we've got, but we're not supposed to be obsessed or engrossed in them. So what's the answer? Well, I'm going to tell you something, and when I say it, um, some of you are going to be, especially if you're here and you haven't been to church in a while and you think you know what all preachers say, when I tell you the answer, some of you are going to be like, oh, shoot, there it is. I knew, I knew that all this was leading up to that. But let me tell you, don't, don't shout me down, don't tune me out. Here's the answer. If you want to live in that tension of you need money to survive, but you know that you can easily become obsessed with money, here's how you live in that and still honor Jesus and make sure your heart is not divided. Give generously. Give generously you can look all through the scripture old testament new testament word for word read it and it all tells you the same thing if you want to guard against a greedy heart if you want to guard against being obsessed with money the way you guard against it is you give it away you give generously now let's say you don't even believe the bible talk to people in here I see some of you, and as soon as I said give generously, in fact, I saw some of you smiling because you knew like, oh shoot, I know where Cliff's going, because you knew exactly what I was about to say. And as soon as I said give generously, there were those of you out there shaking your head. Why? Because you've experienced that. There are people out here today, and I'm one of them, that there was a time in my life where I was not a giver, and I was obsessed with money. And you know what stopped all that for me? It wasn't praying more. Prayer's good. It wasn't reading the Bible more, which is awesome. It wasn't going to somebody and confessing that, which that's good too. It was giving. 
I finally did what God said to do, even though I didn't want to do it at first, even though I gave at first, not cheerfully, but I gave begrudgingly. But the more I gave, the more I wanted to give. And that action of giving began, God used that to begin to transform my heart. If you want to live in the tension between you need money to survive and you have a great uh, um, ability to be obsessed with money, then the way you fight that off is you give generously. Now, I want to, I want to make this disclaimer. And um, if you think that I'm just saying that because I want your money, then give generously somewhere else first. Then come back and give generously to us because we do need the money. But, but seriously, if you think I'm just saying that because I'm like, hey, we, you know, we need a bunch of money around here. Give generously somewhere else. Give it all to Greer Community Ministries. Or give it all to Alex's house, which is the, the orphanage we support in Haiti. Give it to somebody else. Do that for a month and then come back to me. And if, you, and if, it, if giving for a month, and I'm talking about generously giving 10% or more of your total income, and you give that, if you do that for a month and then you don't, and at the end of it, you don't feel like you want to give more, come back and tell me. And I'll say, okay, you're the first person I've ever met that says that, and, we'll, and I'll be fine. But here's what I, I, I believe will happen, is you try that out, you do that for a month, and at the end of that month, you're going to think, what can I give next month? Who can I give this to next month? How can I, how can I work into my, to my budget some savings so that then I can help somebody that needs help? Give generously. I'm going to close this with, um, with a prayer. And uh, while I do that, I, I just want you to think about your life. And, um, and listen, like I said at the beginning, we're all, we're all in the same position here. We all need money and we all have an ability to get just wrapped up in it and want more and more and more of it and want the next thing. So if you're sitting here today and you think, man, Cliff, you were all over me today. Listen, I was all over me today. I was all over everybody today because we all, we all live in that. And so I want you to pray as we pray to leave. I want you to just think through your, just what you've been spending money on and spending energy on and think about, is that what God wants me to do? And think about that tension and how you can give and break that tension. Let me pray for us, and then we'll all go home. Father God, thank you that you teach us about money, that, um, that while you were here on this earth, that, that you understood the tension that we live with. And I pray for myself and for, for everybody else that's here that we would all invest in things that will last forever. I know that we need earthly things. We need houses and cars to get around in and food to eat, but I pray that none of us would be obsessed with them, but instead that we would follow you completely, that we would serve you when given the choice between serving God and serving money, that we would always serve you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.